You notice towards the end there that the uh, kids' class leads were the ones who were just going slow and methodical in obeying their parents. So I do appreciate that. Um, I do think one of the most interesting things is, is that the Lord normally shows us where we're at spiritually through, uh, through our children. It says we should be more like children, right? And that doesn't mean my intelligence. That just means that as a whole, we should be more like children. And when we look at the children in our congregation, we've got some that are fast. We've got some that are slow. We have some that are followers, some that are leaders. But sooner or later, he'll make us all as one. The last year, we have gone through the chapter of Acts number two. The four main key elements for any healthy, thriving fellowship. Through that year, there's been a lot of repentance uh, from this very pulpit. I had to repent to the entire church and the fact that even in the most tangible and physical of ways, when the Lord was revealing this to my wife and myself while we were on our sabbatical in November of 2021, like the most glaring issue was COVID's gone and all of a sudden table fellowship wants to come back. And I'm like, man, I just... I like my hour and a half long service. I like my Sabbath afternoon nap. I like, like, it's like the best of both worlds. It's like having cake and eating it too. And the other elders were like, no, we need to bring back table fellowship. Table fellowship needs to come back. Table fellowship needs to come back. And I'm over here like, no, man, we'll do it once a month. We don't need to break bread. We don't need to do that. And boom, Acts chapter two. First thing is breaking bread. And the first thing the Lord likes to do And this is because I am stubborn and I've been struggling with stubbornness for 41, almost 42 years of my life. This is the midlife crisis is the man bun. I don't have money for a sports car or anything else. But in that, the Lord immediately shows us that the breaking of bread is one of the key four elements for a healthy fellowship. We went through the corporate prayer and worship. That's part of why we're doing Acts chapter 28 for 28 days right now is because we are in a situation where where we don't have a facility, we can't meet every single day, we can't meet multiple times a week. But the Lord has said he wants to do something different in our hearts and minds. The Spirit of God wants to empower us in a way that maybe we haven't done corporately. And in order to do that, you have to be in the Word, you have to be praying, you have to be praising, and you have to be walking together with like-minded believers in accountability. And through those things, the Lord can be glorified and our flesh can be destroyed. I'm six foot seven. I have a lot of flesh to be destroyed. And today we're going to focus on the most popular element of this, and that is the sharing of resources. And it's like, oh, I showed up today. Everybody's sick this week. Heard like seven families who are sick and all these things. I showed up for a tithing message. Yay. Awesome. We showed up for a tithing message. Yay. Yeah, you showed up for a tithing message today. Now, I'm going to already just debunk any negative mentality. I I don't want us to think today about money. It's a part of it, and it's important. Obviously, if any of you have ever called your bank and you've said, I would like to give you my love and adoration this this month, and in return, you're going to give me free mortgage, that just doesn't fly. Like, it just doesn't happen. And if you have found a company that allows you to give adoration and love to them, and like, please let me know. Please let me know. I want us to think of the resources of the tithe and the offerings 
more than just the Old Testament regulation, but the entire Bible's revelation. And what I mean by that is you were given a gift, Ephesians 2.10, before you were born through Yeshua, through Jesus Christ, that you should choose to walk in. Now, Alex, your gift is not the same as my gift. Smith boys, your gift is not the same as your brother's. Whatever gift God has given you, it was predestined before you were born, and it was woven into your DNA so that you should walk in it. And when you do walk in it, that is an offering. When you do walk in it, the Lord can turn and use it. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for each and every person that's here. Lord, I thank you for the fact that you continue to move and mold. Lord, continue in this season as we continue to grow closer to you. Show us areas of our life where we can become more like you. Teach us how to be more in your word, more in your presence, and then walking more in the power of your spirit. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Yeshua's name, amen. So I've grown up in a lot of different denominations. I was a Baptist at one point in time. I was a Nazarene at one point in time. I was a Presbyterian at one point in time. I was a, a evangelical free. I am what you would call a spiritual mutt. I have a little bit of influence from all of those different areas. And honestly, the only reason why I walk the way I do today is because there was so much pride and ego inside of my heart that there was no way I was going to let my mother-in-law tell me that she knew something about the scripture that I didn't. And unfortunately, I stand here today, and she definitely did. <laughs> By the time I set out to prove her wrong, I only proved her right. And I stand here today. But yet, in our culture, the United States of America, and please don't get me wrong, we're blessed to be in the United States of America. The United States of America is built off an economical system that has created generations of people who are enslaved, to a life of status. Now that status, again, isn't just fiscal. You know, a lot of times we think of fiscal. My son, my youngest son, like, I don't even know if it's from the lyrics of a song or whatever it is, but like, Lamborghinis are his thing. I'm not entirely sure he's actually ever seen a Lamborghini face to face, but he's like, Dad, when I get older, I want a Lamborghini. So in his mind, that is a life of status for him. For some of my other kids, my oldest daughter, she would just be happy with owning an entire library full of books because she loves to read. And so, but the underlying current is the same, which is the more we can obtain, the more status we have. Interesting. That's an antichrist-like system. It's the opposite in the perversion of what God has laid out from Genesis to Revelation. Ultimately, when we look at what used to be the United States of America, it used to be the wealthier people had more time. They had more leisure. And through those leisures, they had more experiences. Now, how many of you think of your wealth as your experiences? The time you get to walk with your wife through a park. The time you get to go uh, jogging with your children or you get to go skipping rocks in a lake. Or if you're a musician, the time you get to sit down and play an instrument with your family. 
How many of us think of those things as wealth? If I have a lot of that time, I have a lot of wealth. Versus how many of us think, well, how many shekels I have in my pocket equals my wealth? I won't lie to you. In the last 60 to 90 days, my entire world has been rocked. Because I had lived for 9 to 10 years in a bubble of where my job is to provide a certain status. And when I get to that status, my family is okay. It's comfortable. And by operating in that place, we're safe. We're safe by what the world sees and we're safe by what God sees. Now fast forward and the Lord's like, hey, by the way, you're not going to get a paycheck for multiple months. I'm going to take your car away. I'm going to take your laptop away. I'm going to take your phone away. I'm going to take away everything you thought was safe. And then I'm going to put you out on an island and I'm going to make you trust me. I'm going to make you step out of that boat and I'm going to sink you faster than I sank the apostles when they took their eyes off of Jesus. And let's see if you can do this. He's got a lot more faith in me than I do. But we've almost forgotten about the very undertone of everything that exists in this culture, which is greed, self-preservation, and coveting. How many of you have read the passage in the Bible where the Lord says that greed, self-preservation, and coveting are good things? I was looking for it this week. I called all my pastor friends. I called all of the wiser people than me, and I could not find the scripture passage that said that those things were okay. Maybe it's in the Church of Satan's handbook, but it definitely wasn't in the Bible given by Yahweh. Yet, this is the very undertone of everything around us, what exists to be our culture. The pressures of that culture. What car do you drive? What clothes do you wear? Did you go out to eat tonight? Oh, did you get promoted at your job? Oh, do you have this? Do you have that? Do you have this? Do you have that? Do you have this? Do you have that? Again, there's nothing wrong with those things. But greed, self-preservation, and coveting are dangerous. They're dangerous to allow that to become a currency by which you actually are interwoven in your relationship with other people. Those are not things of Jesus. They're definitely not things that the Holy Spirit empowers you with. They're not. In fact, if anything, they are a tactic used by the adversary at the very least for you. Turn around and look at the people next to you, in front of you, back to you. Just give a quick glance. It's just one basic, basic element by which the the adversary will use to try to distance you from the very people you see in this room. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's just the starting point. Let alone when you're at Walmart and you want to buy organic or your kids want the the Kool-Aid. At a young age, keep your kids away from the Kool-Aid and they will not walk in the ways of the cult. I'm just saying. They won't end up on a mountaintop waiting for a comet if you stay away from the Kool-Aid. And the guy said, oh yeah. But I, we, we have to stop thinking about God in the way that we think about our culture. We have to. So I'm going to do a real quick demonstration here. Uh, Hannah, come on up here. Yes, I know she didn't know I was going to call on her. I specifically do this for a reason. So I have three cards because I don't have any money. So I have three cards. So I have three cards. So I want to give one to you. Okay, Sarah, come here. She's eating. That's okay. 
I want to give a card to you. You guys can go sit down. I only have three cards. So, um, Hey, you, dude, right there. Come here. Give you a card. All right, so literally, I went to work. I made three cards. I gave away my three cards. That's all I have. So right now, you're thinking, why ain't he calling me? Why ain't he give me a card? Where's my card? Why ain't he give me a card? Stephen's over here. He's like, literally, I'm his friend. I got no card. What's going on? Jessica's like, he gave me a microphone. Where's the card? Like, and so see how that works? But I, I only had three cards. I had to pick three people. Welcome to the United States of America. Welcome to the world's economic system. What happens when they run out of cards? They print more. This is a newer thing. Like, legit, like before, it's like when you ran out of cards, you ran out of cards. Now they're like, hey, let's just make new cards. Thanks, Biden. And yet, here's God's system. Ray, comes to me. I don't even know your name, but come see me. Hazel, Maya, come see me. He can just multiply and 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 multiply 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 you get the point? Why? Because the cards is his. The cards are his. They were always his. They were never yours. They were always his. He can multiply mints too. Even when mom says, "Sit down right now," he can multiply mints. The cards were his. Trolling, you're his. Your children are his. So why do we worry? Why do we worry about money? Why do we worry about the first interaction? I had three cards. I only gave three cards. There's more than three people in this room. Not everybody got a card. But the second time, when it's the Lord's kingdom, he gives and he gives and he gives. Why? Because we have to stop thinking of God the same way we think about United States politics, which is God has limited goods and services. If you've ever called Norman Park and Rex to rent Lions Park for first fruits, they have limited goods and services. But if you've ever called on God, he has no limit to his goods and services. Now, we're talking fiscally. But now I want to move to the spiritual realm because part of Acts chapter 2 is not just about finances. In fact, that's probably the least part of Acts chapter 2. Because in order for the gospel of Jesus Christ to go forth, he needs what he actually sowed into you before birth. And that's not money, people. That's the manifestation, manifestation of the Spirit and the gifts inside of you. Maybe that's a word of prophecy. Maybe that's a word of knowledge. Maybe it's an apostolic office. I'm in a season right now, one of the scariest seasons of my life, where I've walked in more of an official position like an apostle, an apostolic, a city builder, 
And all of a sudden the Lord's like, well, really great. You did a great job. You built cities. Fantastic. But there's not a single person living in the city. So what did you do for me? And all of a sudden he's forcing me to come back to where I think he had wanted me to walk for at least two years. I can say two years for a fact because my wife told me to leave two years ago. But I'm guessing probably six to seven years. And that's the shepherding role, which is a person's role. It's to lead and develop people. It's not to build a fire station with no firefighters. So each one of you has one of those gifts. Maybe you are, maybe you are not walking in. But the 28 days we're in the midst of, we started this last week with the sermon, is for you to dive in like never before to figure out what resource you are to the kingdom of God, how it can be used here, and then maybe if it needs to go out. Because at the end of the day, this church is not the kingdom of God. It's a piece of the kingdom of God. And if your calling is to walk in it so that you can go out and make a difference in this city, in this world, across the globe, across the disc, whatever thing you think about, you're supposed to go out and we're supposed to empower you to do it. Because that's kingdom. That's Yahweh. And everything has a season. Maybe right now your season is here. Maybe next season will not be. But you have to stop thinking about money and your gifts and your talents as limited goods from the geopolitical United States of America concept. I don't care if it's the best ever or it's, I don't know where I'm at. In all the political spectrum that we've had, God is the best ever. Jesus does know where he's at. And he knows what he did inside of you 20 years ago, 5 years ago, 35 years, 75, 100 years ago. He knows exactly what he called. So sooner or later, we're going to have to heed some counsel from the scripture, which is to consider the ravens they do not sow or do not reap. Well, the tithe was done away with. The tithe was for the temple. Okay, then don't sow joy and peace and patience and kindness in people's lives. Just be a bah humbug all you want. See how that works out for you. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? If you do not think that you are more valuable than a bird, please come see me between now and table fellowship. I will pray for you. I will cast whatever that is out. Won't be me, it'll be God but you are more valuable than a bird. You are more valuable than an animal. You are valued. That's Luke 12, 24. I like Luke. I really like Luke. Luke is an interesting writer. Some would say that his profession and the way he writes is similar to like a doctor, which makes me feel way better about myself because I do not have a doctor's level. You are better and more valuable than a bird. John 21, 4 through 10. Children, do you have any fish? I personally like salmon. They answered him, no, I also don't have salmon. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of the fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. 
When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. How many of us, like when the Lord does a miracle, that we're like legit, like just overwhelmed, or we're like, about time, Lord, we expect it. This is the anti-culture of our world that's fighting against what God is doing. We expect for God to do things. Children, you live in an environment where today you expect your parents, my friend has an iPhone, so I should have an iPhone. My friend gets to do this, so I should be able to do this. No, 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 you, you don't get anything. You only get what the Lord gives to you. And when you start changing the very basis of your thought process, it's not about whether this church blessed you or you blessed somebody else. It's the fact that God was blessing everybody at every point in time. At the same point in time, if God chooses to bring correction, it's not a pastor. It's not an apostle. It's not a friend. It's God. He's the one moving. And how do we know that? If it aligns with the scripture. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but a, about a hundred yards off. When they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. Sometimes we, we forget, and this is why I love the chosen, and you can say, well, the chosen isn't always accurate, and the chosen isn't this or that. No, but what, one thing the chosen really does do is that it shows you the emotions, whether it was true or not. It shows you the emotions and the humanity of the people that sometimes it just gets lost in the text. How many of you were struggling during a week or struggling with something or the, like chaos was happening and all of a sudden some door opened up for you and you're like, oh my goodness gracious, this was God. Or you just went about your day as if, well, it just, just happened. It's just great. It was just good. It just happened. The universe aligned in my favor. No, it might have been your savior. You gave the credit to whatever it was. How many of us have thought about when money is tight or when, when we don't have food on the table or maybe we were some, something, some obstacle, maybe it's homeschooling with your kids, maybe it's a relationship with your spouse, maybe it's a relationship with other brothers and sisters in the faith, and all of a sudden the door, the door just swings wide open and the Lord makes a way for reconciliation or answer, and all you can think of is, oh my gosh, my Savior's sitting there cooking fish for me. Let me go hang out with him. He just provided the way. Or how many of you are on to the next? This was just an expectation. You see, it's important for us to get outside of the thought of money. Because ultimately, the people who immediately think of tithes and offerings and everything, they want to explain it away and they want to do whatever, is because this entire culture has created money as being a god. So ultimately, if you have money, if you have surplus or whatever, if I give it away, I will be giving away some of my God. Well, there's a problem with that. In the Old Testament, the majority of what was considered to be currency was things to barter with. It was food. It was grain. It was silk. It was all kinds of different things that they'd bring and they'd barter and they would give so that they could all work and they could stay clothed and they could eat and they could do these things. And so the offering was something other than a fiat currency. 
that literally is worth nothing. Why did they bring it to the community? Because like Brent said a couple of weeks ago, going through the book of the Revelation, Yeshua is the axis of the center of the community. And if God is the axis and the center of the community, everything we do should revolve around Him. If your pocketbook is the center of the community, that's your God. If your wife or your husband is the center of the community, that's your God. If your children, that's your God. Your car, your house, Whatever it is, your knowledge, your power, whatever it is, that's your God. Now, why is that important? Because you cannot outwork God. You cannot outtrust God. You sure as heck can't outgive God. There's over 2,000 verses in the Bible on the subject of currency and possessions. Jesus himself talks about currency in 16 of his 38 parables. Your money, your family, and even yourself is God's currency. Your money, your children, and your life are all testimonies of the principle of the first fruits. You see, in the Torah, the firstborn was to either be sacrificed or redeemed. How many people know where I'm going with this one? We have Abram. I like where you see. Good. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing new under the sun. I don't have anything new for you today. In fact, if anything, this is just to repoint you right back to the Word of God and have you go before the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham and Isaac. We see it. The firstborn is to either be sacrificed or redeemed. Jesus was God's firstborn. He was perfect and unblemished. So if we're following the Torah principle, when Jesus was sacrificed, we are then redeemed to God through his sacrifice. So in essence, Jesus was God's first fruit offering so that all of us could be redeemed back to the kingdom. Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is important, guys, because the sacrifice the willing sacrifice of Yeshua was given while we were still sinners. We had no earning on this. There was, we, we didn't get into our Coinbase wallet and make some sort of amazing trade. And then God was like, because they did this, I'm going to sacrifice. We had no value. We were separated. We were heathens. And yet God still came for us. Dare I say the word pagan. And yet while we were in that state, God sent his son for us. We give our offerings and our tithes through the offering of our lives. It's not just money, guys. I want to make it abundantly clear to you. If you walk through that door and you put a tithe in that little temple-looking box back there and you do not live your life for Christ, your money is worthless. 
If you walk through that door and you write the greatest check that any church has ever seen and you turn and you sit down and you say, I've done what you asked, Father, glorify me. It's worthless. The only way it can be done, anything good, is if God redeems it. It's not about money. It's about the fact that literally you were redeemed by the blood of Christ in everything you have, everything you do, everything you should do, should be to glorify and honor God. Matthew 16, 25. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. What an amazing love God has for us that he would give the greatest offering and I'll give God so that we might be redeemed, so that God could save us. Torah cannot save you. Your righteousness cannot save you. No giving, fiscally, anything can save you so that God could save us, not that we could save ourselves. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Oh, we all know this one. Like Sunday School 101. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You see, this is also a reoccurring theme in the book of Acts with the establishment of the first Messianic Christians. They were walking boldly in the calling to promote the kingdom of God. Church, we just started in. We're on like day seven right now. Just wait till we get to the 20s. Just wait till we get to 20s. Life is hard. Life is hard. <laughs> you think Paul was complaining? Some of you know the, spoiler alert, some of y'all read ahead. Some of y'all knew this long beforehand. But spoiler alert, the end of the book of Acts, like Paul is not high and lifted up. The high priest isn't like, oh, Paul. Wherefore art thou my Paul? Come thy Paul. No, they're conspiring to kill the dude. So much so that he's like, you know what? I got to get out of the religious sector here. And I got to go back to Caesar. Because Caesar, I have a better chance of being alive with Caesar than I do with, with my fellow Jews. That should scare you. If you're in this church right now and you're like, you know what? I need to go out into the world and I need to go talk to the non-believer at Walmart because I'm safer with them than people in this church. We got a problem. That means Jesus is not the center of this church. The Holy Spirit is not empowered in this church. We are a bunch of our own gods. And we are operating out of our own spirit, our own flesh inside this place. Spoiler alert. You have not walked more bold than Paul. Our tithe, our offering, whether it's fiscally or through the giving of your spiritual gifts to the church and the community is acknowledging the fact that God is first. So young teens in this room, I think this is important for you to understand. Because the culture currently is one of influence. It's one that puts the emphasis on this absolutely fake facade of an environment where you take a picture of yourself and you like hold it the right way and you do all of those things and you post it out and you send it to your friends and you're like, LOL, IDK, something, something, something. <laughs> Bruh. It's all fake. 
It's all a counterfeitual and a counter God culture. It's a counterfeit. Why? Because ultimately at the end of the day, if you have any good looks, that was God. It wasn't even your parents. Because let's play the long game here. Once upon a time, way back, way back, I mean, we're talking about way back, Marty McFly from Back to the Future, which is a reference you can't get, so you have to go home and look it up on Scholar Google. But back before the new Jordans, which were actually the original Jordans back when I was younger, way back before that, there was one guy and one gal. No, it was not Ryan Reynolds. And no, what's the lady in the notebook? Rachel McAdams or whatever her name is. Rachel Adams, something like that. They're like in every like romance. They're like the new uh, George Clooney and Julia Roberts. Those are also actors. They're like 70 years old, all the younger ones. But way back in the day, there was a man and there was a woman. And in that time, in that garden, God had created them. Male and female, he created. Now, fast forward lots of years. It's you. And yeah, granted, your mom and your dad or whoever it is, they created you. But way back in the day, it all came down to Adam and Eve. Adam and Hava, to be Hebraically correct. Thanks, Stephen. Stephen's like, he's gone way too non-denominational for me. Next thing you know, he's going to have the furtic neck bulge and he's going to be working out. And I don't think you have to worry about me working out. I have no desire. <laughs> but ultimately, you're here today because in the beginning was God. Before any of this existed, there was a spirit of God hovering over the water. So anything you have was originally God's. Anything you end up with is God's. This week, I didn't know Eric played guitar. This week, happened to see that he got a new electric guitar. And so he's already signed himself up for the worship team, whether he knows or not. It takes Ian that day. This is true. It's, it's true. I'm not going to lie to you from the pulpit. But that guitar, yeah, sure, you might have worked and you might have saved up the money, but the money that was bestowed to you in the provision to get that guitar was not at the work of your own hands. It was a blessing from God. For those who are in the medical field, yeah, you put a lot of hard work in to getting your degree. But ultimately, the knowledge, the time, the energy, the effort, everything was a blessing from God. Sometimes we think only in the sense of like the manifestations of some sort of spiritual gift or something that that is what's God's. No, literally everything you have, the clothing you're wearing, is only because God was gracious enough to you to allow you to have it. He could have taken it from you. He could have withheld it from you. This is why... We have to understand you are not your own. You're just not. This is why the United States of America wants you to think about yourself. 
Because the more you love yourself, the more you do for your gratification, the more you live for your self-preservation, your greed, and they can keep you doing that by coveting what I see that you have that I now want, the more I can understand I am my own and I can do it. The problem is, is there's not a single moment throughout all history where that's actually true. You are not your own. You were bought and paid for with the price by Jesus before you were born. You are God's. You aren't mine. You are God's. You are God's. You are God's property. You are bought and paid for. You are not my property. My wife and I serve as the senior pastors of the church. You are not our property. You are a blessing for us to serve for whatever season that is because ultimately sooner or later you're going to go and do what God's told you to do in this congregation, in this city, or in some other place. And our job is to help you walk in that and then empower you to do whatever it is God wants you to do. That's it. Because you are not mine. You are not HFFs. You are God's. And every stinking thing you own is his. A lot of silence in this room. Church, if there's nothing that you get out of this message, you are not your own. The decisions you make either bring glory and honor to the one who gave you life or they give glory and honor to yourself who is wrestling to take your life. Your flesh does not want your blessing. It doesn't. Your flesh wants the apple of the tree you were told not to eat of. Oh, I don't covet. (laughs) There was two trees Legit two trees. There was only two options. You got more options at McDonald's than they had. Most husbands in this room have more options at dinner at their own table than they had. Two options. Two options, church. Tree of life. Tree of knowledge of good and evil. You can eat of this. Don't you dare eat of this. They couldn't even choose. They had a 50-50 coin flip. So if you think now when we have a bazillion options in our world and in our culture to choose between what is righteous and what is God and what is of ourself or the adversary, if you think for one second that's not a wrestle, go back to the beginning. In the beginning, they chose their flesh. They didn't have MTV. They didn't have a, B, C, D, L, G, B, T, L, M, N, O, P. They didn't have the alphabet soup. They didn't have any of that. They didn't have the redefinition of terms. They didn't have any of the chaos that we experience in our life. And they had two choices and they chose the wrong one. So most likely in our scenario of life, if we think we can walk without the power of the Holy Spirit to make those decisions, you're fooling yourself. Your flesh is weak and it will fail. 
This is why, guys, 28 days to start new habits in your life. 28 days to focus back on the fact that you wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for God. And for you to understand that Jesus as the first fruits offering of God restored us back to an opportunity to be redeemed so that we could walk in exactly what he wanted us to do, which is give our lives back to him. And money is the absolute bottom line. That's the smallest thing. That's the absolute smallest thing. Because if you write a check to this church, or you write a check to Mission Norman, or you write the check to anything, and you don't walk in the gift that God gave you in the DNA when you were born, you're still not giving it back to him. You are not your own. Church, we live in a city that has spent 30 years talking about the end of the world. We have never seen persecution. And over the next couple of weeks, as we get into the final chapters of Acts and we continue through this, and some of the devotionals and the prayer points and some of those, we're going to see what real persecution was. If we... Don't start to change our mentality about who God is in the priority list of our life. Let me tell you, I don't care what kind of tent you have. I don't care what kind of RV you have. I don't care what type of guns you have. I don't care about anything. You ain't going to make it anywhere near persecution. Because you're either going to turn over and flip-flop like a fish out of water. Hey, Caesar, I'm on your side, bro. Yeah, knuckles. Self-preservation. Or you're going to kill yourself. Because we don't know persecution in the United States of America. We don't know it. We don't know it. starts by giving God the first portion of everything. The first portion of your time. The first portion of your thoughts. The first portion of your life. The first portion of your finances. The first portion of your prayers. The first portion of everything. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The first portion is his. It's not yours. It's not yours. It's not mine. It's his. First portion. Exodus 23. Last week we talked about 28 days into first fruits. I had to go back this week with day seven on Acts 28. What a heck of a week. Y'all know me. I'm about as transparent as it come. I don't demon hunt. I just don't do it. I don't see visions and signs and all these kinds of things. God normally speaks in my head and, and slaps me from the brain out in situations. And he's like, I told you not. I wrote this sermon, not this sermon. I wrote today's sermon on Monday. And things started going chaos all week. We start getting in the book of Acts, fasting, prayer, worship, whatever. Chaos, chaos, chaos. You'll be proud of me. I made it past 9 p.m on Monday night and on Tuesday night. And it wasn't by choice. It was just what the Lord was doing. At one point in time, my wife wakes me up and she's like, baby, you gotta go outside. Something's outside. I 
there's something outside. Our yard backs up to two other yards. And like for anybody to get in our backyard, basically they're going to have to climb through somebody else's yard. So the likelihood of it just being something other than wind or a squirrel or a bunny or whatever, it's like, it's just not. But sure enough, I heard it again. I was like, that's all, that's all weird. So, so I get up, get the gun out. Yes, I got guns. I got lots of guns. The government knows they're all registered. They got their first take two. Taxation is theft. And so I get up, I go outside. And I walk outside. I look around. All right, a blessed thing out there. It's not even really windy. Take the dog out because, you know, I'm, I'm not chicken. Let the dog get mauled first. Let the dog out. Nothing. Come back inside. Still hear it. Go outside. And we're not talking like it's not consistent. It's not like a flap on a bike or the, the gutter is loose or something. You can tell when something's consistent and it's, it's just something. It's a weird thing. Again, I don't demon hunt. In fact, I'm the opposite of a demon hunter. I'm like, hmm, you have to prove to me you're real before I'll even talk to you. So we go out there. And I just sat, just sat outside for a while. I said, what are you doing? I was already in bed. And it's like, I had to step outside of my comfort zone and say, okay, Lord, if you're asking us to go deeper, if you're asking us to be different, if you're asking us to learn and to grow, whatever's coming, whatever's here, the mighty rushing wave, as Brent likes to say, whatever it is that they're aware to, there's some in this room who probably have not professed that Jesus is their salvation or that Jesus is God. Guess what? The demons know he is. It's not even a question in their book. So I threw out the sermon notes Tuesday morning and I said, well, Lord, you're going to have to tell me what we're going to preach then. You're going to have to tell me how this is going to work. And on Thursday, he did when the chaos subsided. But I had to first go and say, I am yours. I'm here. I'm going to protect this house. You tell me what I need to do, Lord. Of course, I had the gun there. So, I, I mean, I'm not going to say that I was like all in the spiritual. I had the physical prepare. I had the physical taken care of. I was asking the Lord to lengthen my stride in the spiritual. I'm being honest with you. Every day we should grow closer to God. Some of you are further along than I am. That's okay. It's a journey. Help a brother out. Help me move forward. Exodus 23, the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Now, this is important because some of these passages are used specifically to say, well, it was the tabernacle in the temple. That's literally the house of the Lord your God. You're absolutely correct. That is true. That is the 101 elementary welcome to school concept. The house of the Lord, the temple and the tabernacle. Your money, your time, your prayers, your gifts. The first of everything God has created you to be is God's. It isn't yours, it isn't mine, it isn't this world, it is God's alone. It is holy unto the one who is holy. Yahweh alone is holy. So let me ask you, full Bible believers, Messianic Christians, there is a term we like, and that is, the Old Testament law ain't done away with, because God says, I do not change. Okay, but when it says that the first is his, in Exodus so just because we don't have a temple and we don't have a tabernacle, so he changed? No, the first is still his. The first is still the Lord's. It is not yours. There's not a caveat in here. He didn't get with his attorney and he said, 
Well, when you reach the day of the COVID of 2020 and things change, that this is the decree from Yahweh Elohim. No, he didn't say that. What he said is, is that the first fruits of the land you shall bring into the house of the Lord. Now, guess what? This is not the temple of the Lord. This is not the tabernacle, and I am not a Kohen. I am not a high priest, which is, I think, okay, given what happened with the high priest and Jesus. I don't want to be a high priest right now. Not under that order in this lifestyle. But the spiritual principle is the same, which is when you come into the house of the Lord, whatever house of the Lord that is, whatever community center that is, remember the disciples were going into the synagogue on the Sabbath and then meeting on the first day. They were going into a house of the Lord. The first fruits is his. That's the first fruits of your worship. That's the first fruits of your prayer. That's the first fruits of the manifestation of whatever the spiritual gifts are that you have. The first fruits is the Lord. It's not just about your 20. So who do you fear more? The IRS, your mortgage company? Or the one who could wipe them out? Also says he's going to. Like legit, he says he's going to wipe all those places out anyways. God doesn't need you to give. If you come in here and you sit as a part of this community and you don't operate in your spiritual gifts, God doesn't need you to do it for him to execute his plan. He doesn't need you. He'll execute his plan one way or another. He's sovereign. He's perfect. We're not. But ultimately, at the end of the day, he invites us into an opportunity for us to be able to be used by God. And the truth is, is God doesn't need us, but we do need God. Because if you're left to your own devices, to your own shortcomings, to your own hurt, to your own cultural influence, to your own father issues, your own mother issues, You'll never be the overcomer to walk in spirit in the power of the gifts that God has given you. You'll be a wounded individual along with millions who don't believe that God exists or God has power anymore. This week, God did a lot of stuff. God did a lot of stuff in this community. He exposed repentant and unrepentant hearts. He brought other things of positive. You know, there was some chaos for a second. Hey, did we make the right decision in what God was telling us to do or not? And then all of a sudden, it wasn't, and God just kind of cleared the pathway. God is legit moving every second of your life if you will stop, look, and acknowledge that it's him. Yeah, look, I look around this room, and I know a lot of you guys, and I know there's a lot of talent in this room. I know there's a lot of people who like to work really, really hard. And so you can go make money for yourself. You can do a lot of cool things. You can fix vehicles. You can build stuff. You can play awesome songs. You can do all these things. But at the end of the day, sooner or later, you will run out of that power, and you will run out of the ability to operate in that. God is not the United States government. He is not Bitcoin. He is not Ripple. He is not any of those things. He never runs out of time, energy, and power. 
He is the creation of all creations as the creator. And everything you will ever see in your life is through him alone. So guys, this week, uh, I have a call. You're all like, oh man, he's going to pass the plate now. Here we go. I don't make a dime off this church. I haven't collected a salary since January. I got to tell you, that was God. It still is God. It doesn't make a blessed piece of sense to my logical brain. Legit does not. But see, these cards I was passing out this morning, they are currency. They are currency. See, they're a way... One, to be a reminder for yourself. But two, for you to start operating in radical generosity. How many of you heard on the internet there was a, a little viral thing for a time that said the random acts of kingdom? You know, at one time it's like, oh, there's random acts of violence. And they're like, you know what we should do? We should just do exactly what the devil does. Let's pervert what they do and say random acts of kingdom. So we're randomly going to do Jesus things, Jesus ways, out in the culture. I don't want us to think of the kingdom of God as random because it's just not. It's intentional. Every word that Jesus spoke was intentional. It wasn't random. Everything he did was intentional. And we may not fully understand. We may not even fully understand how to apply that to our life today. But it was intentional. He used the parables he used intentionally. He said the words he said intentionally. Even when Caiaphas was in his face trying to get him to do, he was intentional. A little passive aggressive, but intentional. There was nothing he said that was meant to egg him on. It was just the truth. I'm not going to give you more. I'm not going to give you less. This is what it is. May God in heaven be glorified. I either am or I am not. It's that simple. On the front of these cards, and we got a bunch of them, Pastor Lauren came up with a really cool idea because I'm just like radical generosity, radical generosity. How do we do this? How do we encourage this in the community? How do we do this during the 28 days together while we're pressing into God that we can also be a light to the city? So 99 for the one. Yeshua would leave the 99 for the one. And guess what? None of us in this room are Yeshua. I'm definitely not. But We are to walk in the ways that our master did. And so all of us, let's just say right now we're the 99. We're here, we're together, whatever. Today, I promise you when you leave, there will be more than one. There will be more than one. Whether it's on your way home, you see somebody walking on the side of the road. Whether it's somebody who's walking down the road in your neighborhood. Whether it's somebody who is at Walmart or whatever. I promise you, you will find more than one person who needs the love of God. I promise you. This is a reminder. On the back it says, you're seen, you're heard, and you're loved. These cards were made not only as a reminder to us, but a way for you to be able to share the gospel. It's not in their face. It's not Jesus loves you. (laughs) Jesus. I just wanted my latte at Starbucks. Jesus. No. You're seen, you're heard, and you're loved. Because even in the most heathenistic state of my life, he saw me, he 
he heard me and he loved me. And he restored me in those, from those two years. So these cards, there's thousands of them, guys. There's thousands of them. Vistaprint had a really great deal on them. They're really like they're cheap. They're not worth anything. But this is a way for you to take a bunch, whether you're at work, whether you, you have a coffee place, whatever it is you do, to pay it forward to somebody. An intentional act of kingdom. Maybe it's you see somebody and you want to talk to them. And it's like, hey, I just want you to know you're seeing, you're heard, you're loved. Maybe it is coffee. Literally, it's like the drug of choice nowadays. I like coffee too, so they say. And I am a little bit of a snob because I can't drink Folgers. You're seen, you're heard, you're loved. Take one, take 20, take 40. And wherever it is you go, wherever it is you frequent, moms, dads, if you do grocery shopping, drop it in the produce. Nobody's going to die. It's recycled paper. I checked. There's no glossy film on it. Don't do it in the organic. Otherwise, it just nullifies the advertising. But when you get the salsa out, you can stick it right there. You're seeing, you're heard, you're loved. See, guys, it's not about whether or not these people come to our church. It's not about whether or not people come and they like us. It's not about whether somebody knows you did it or not. It's about in that moment that that might be the last moment before somebody takes their life. Somebody goes home and files for divorce. Somebody goes home and, and is bawling for God to come and meet them there. And there's you're seen, you're heard, you're loved. And so, guys, today is not about you writing a tithe check to this church. It's about you changing the way you see everything you have as it being a gift from God. The first portion of that is holy, just like Jesus was holy. And that we find a way to give it back to him so that he can do exactly what he said he was going to do. He was going to multiply the talents. He was going to grow the seed. Our job is to plant a seed. We cannot save anybody. To plant a seed for the one who can. Kids, teens, you guys go to co-op, that kind of stuff, take them with you. It's not just a marketplace. I'm not foolish. I understand the pressures it is to be young. I understand. I understand the pressures it is to fit in. God wants you to know you're seen, you're heard, you're loved. Not just by me, not just by your parents, not just by this church, but most importantly by Jesus, because literally Jesus can solve all problems. I can't. I'm a dad. I can't solve it. Kid comes out of the baptismal a couple of weeks ago, and it's like, Jesus will never fail you even when I'm going to. Y'all laughed. Like, I know it's true. It's like, would you want me to lie to him? Church, as we go through 28 days of pressing into God, as we take our no cards from last week with whatever that is that, that, that we're trying to lay down that prohibits our relationship with the Lord, as we're in that season of changing how we walk with God, part of the way we can change the way we walk with God is to realize that we're just absolutely not our own and we're put here for a mission. 
For so many years, since 2007, I've wondered why Messianic Christians don't share the gospel, why Messianic Christians don't go out, why they're not looking for the people who don't believe and profess in Jesus. And we can get right with God and we can, we can lay stuff down and we can repent and there can be confessions of sins. But if we're not going out and reaching the lost, then the power you see in the book of Acts is not going to live in us. Because we're still our own gods looking for our own healing. It's all about us. God, come take care of me. Come be my bedside nurse. Come on, God, take care of me. Fill me up, fill me up, fill me up. He's supposed to fill you up so you can go fill somebody else up. We will be a church that goes back for the person that we used to be. And so this week, I'm asking you, grab a couple cards. Don't think about it. Oh, I'm going to go to Starbucks every day and I'm going to do this. No, I want you to go home and I want you to pray before the Lord in your secret time. I want you to say, Lord, what can I do? What should I do? Lord, what is the divine appointment you would have for me? It's not about plastering deep and wide all over your Walmart or your crest or anything. No, no. It's about asking the Lord how to lead and guide you the same way that the apostles had to be learned as apprentices of Jesus, how to be led and guided. It's not about you leading and guiding yourself, and it's sure as heck not about me leading and guiding you. It's about the Lord leading you and guiding you to the person that you don't even know needs you. But he does. So take as many as you want, give them to your friends, your family, whoever it is. But be intentional about asking the Lord who it is and where it is he would have you put it. Be intentional about going before the Lord. Yahweh has never, ever, 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 ever failed. It's a season for us to walk, not just talk. The season for talking is over. If there's no actual practice put into place, then we operate in the same hypocrisy that we have for so long. I believe the Lord wants to do radical things. I believe the Lord wants to transform lives. I believe the Lord wants to heal people. I believe the Lord wants to outpour his spirit in people with, with words of knowledge. And with many other things that church I truly don't understand, but guess what, I don't have to. I don't have to understand them. I just have to know what his word says and I have to stay the heck out of his way. And as long as we do that, Yahweh will never fail. God will never fail. If the next couple of weeks is anything like this week, church, I'm talking highs and lows. I'm talking we were at the top of the roller coaster and we were at the bottom of the roller coaster. People wanting to give up and people celebrating. There's, there's answers to prayers that have happened this week, that have been two years in the making. Our timing, our understanding, our thoughts are the absolute opposite of perfection. 
God is perfection. I have no patience. I'm learning very quickly how to do that. And sometimes very painfully. But whether it's March 1st, whether it's April 1st, whether it's 40 years from now, whenever the Spirit of God makes a decision and makes a move on whatever it is you've asked Him, it's absolutely perfection. We may not understand it. We may not appreciate it. We may not totally get it. But we have to walk in a place that starts to retrain us in submission of the Lord. Not submission of just a culture or of just a church setting or whatever. This is not a safe place. I just want to make sure you understand that. This is not a safe place. Because this is a place where the Lord wants to do something in your life. And the calling that we believe God has for each and every one of you this year, and what we feel the Lord has told you, it doesn't make it safe. And the reason why it's not safe is because the Lord wants to do something in your life. Which means you can't just show up and you can't just kick up your feet and you can't just get your hungry man dinner out and play games. No, you're going to have to lay something down. You're going to have to confess something. Guess what? Everybody in this room has it. And we actually have to create an environment where the Holy Spirit is welcome to be able to move and to restore and heal and to pour out. I have been a part of that problem for seven years. And I will not be a part of that problem anymore. So as we conclude Acts chapter 2, a year in the making, constantly going back little by little as the Lord reveals. Literally, it's been the Lord revealing it. I run the teaching schedule. I can put myself on anytime I want. But when the Lord has revealed the time and the place and the purpose, a year later, as we conclude the book of Acts chapter 2, church, buckle up. Because you will get out of your relationship. You will see the power of God. What you allow Him to do, what you allow Him to put, pour into you, but most importantly, it's going to be about what you lay down and what you allow the Lord to do inside of you. Because the Lord gives you your free will. The Lord gives you the opportunity to choose. But it is not a coincidence that you're here today. It is not a coincidence that you are here. Because the Lord has some sort of calling upon you and a gift upon your life that He wants to use to radically change this city and the surrounding areas for Jesus Christ. Now the question is, are you going to walk in it or not? God doesn't need you, but He has called you. And the question is, is are you going to walk in it or not? Pray with me, church. Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. Lord, I apologize for the years by which I operated out of my own power, my own might, my own strength. For the years that I didn't understand fully that all you really wanted was submission, not answers. Lord, I apologize for not understanding the principle and the parable of the first fruit. I apologize for not truly understanding just how magnificent you have been through Genesis, through Revelation. Lord, I apologize 
for the times that I knowingly kept us from doing things you called us to do. And I publicly profess, Lord, how amazing it is that you gave me no option this time. That you radically changed, you parted the sea and gave an exodus moment. Lord, I would ask that as we continue through these 28 days, just like you did before for your name's sake, would you continue to press and impress upon the hearts and the lives of every person in this church, in this city, that they would grow closer to you. That anybody, Lord, who, who is still in Babylon, anybody, Lord, who still needs an exodus moment, in their life, that you would grant that for them. Lord, that you would give all of us wisdom and power to understand the jobs that you would have for us and that we would willingly walk in those, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, please do not allow us to come to your table during these spring feasts out of the same spirit of regulation, but that we would walk and see the power of your revelation. We love you. I'm in awe of all that you do, you have done. Lord, for those who still need that moment, for the healing in the Rabino family, for the other healings, Father, that are unspoken in this church, for the peace in some of the households and the mending that is needed, Lord, for the eradication of anything that is bitterness, that is anger, that is frustration. Remove it and replace it with the joy of our salvation in Yeshua. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you for all that you are. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, church, Brent and Tanya are back with us next week from Israel, three weeks in the land. Super excited. We're going to start into a whole nother series on what it means to actually walk in the Lord's righteousness. We have uh, some exciting things coming up over the next couple of months, outreach opportunities, things like that. And so, oh, you okay? <laughs> so for those who are new here, we have Table Fellowship today. Table Fellowship is basically a fancier 21st century way of saying, what was it, like a Baptist, like potluck, like a potluck meal, a fancier way of saying that. And so if, uh, if you didn't bring anything to share, uh, we ask that you stay with us, be our guest, allow us to you know, get to know you a little bit better, allow us to feed you before you go out into whatever else you have going on today. But most importantly, we just want to bless you guys this week, pray over you, and just get to know you a little bit more. And so, I love you, but more importantly, Jesus loves you, and we'll see you guys next week. Shabbat Shalom.